Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by andrewandtodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try andrewandtodd.com or call 888-888-1172. Now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Welcome back, America. The interview with Hugh Hewitt today is with Doug Maurice. Doug is the uh, the host of many great podcasts that I listen to every week. College Football Survivor Podcast, the Orange and Brown Podcast, Buckeye Talk Podcast. He is with Cleveland.com, and he is the author of the book I'm holding in my hand, The Road to Ohio State, which I just tweeted out. It's a perfect Christmas present for two people, football fans and high school athletes who are being recruited. Good morning, Doug. How are you? Hey, Hugh. Thanks for having me again. I want to talk about Tom Skladany, oddly enough. I'm going to come back to the podcast in a second, but I read Tom Skladany chapter in The Road to Ohio State, and there was a time, because my brothers were good football players. I was not. I'm, I'm the worst athlete in the history of Ohio. And my brothers were good, though. They were all state players. And so we would go to football banquets. And for a period of time, every year, we'd get either Woody, Bo Schembechler, Era Parsegian or Joe Paterno. They had a they had a route. They divided up and they would do the high school banquets all over. That's how they recruited. Tom Skladany is of that era. And this is a great story, Doug. Did you sit down with him or is this done by research into the files? No, Tom Skladany, believe it or not, owns a printing business about two miles from my house. Oh, so I went and sat in Tom's office for a good long time. And his entire office is decorated with unbelievable mementos of Woody Hayes and being recruited by Joe Paterno. And, and just it's like an, a, a time capsule view of that era of these coaching giants. And if you were a good football player in Ohio or Western Pennsylvania, as you said, that was just part of your life. You got to know those guys. Oh, they, they showed up. And when you talk about Bo bringing Skladani into the big house and maybe suggesting to him – Maybe you're not good enough to play here, and how that put the hook in, and then how he had to get Woody Hayes to recruit a punter. He's the first Woody Hayes punter scholarship, right? Yes, the first the first time Woody. Before that, you'd kind of find a punter on campus, a walk on somewhere, but the game was changing a little bit. And yeah, it's it's funny how these guys motivated these high school recruits. That Bo's strategy was almost to challenge somebody and say, "Yeah, as you said, I don't think you're good enough." Well, if you want to come, I guess you can try. And then Tom wound up in a situation where a player at his high school had previously sort of indicated he would go to Ohio State, and then he flipped to Michigan, and Woody said, I'm never recruiting anybody from that high school again. And then the assistant coaches had to talk him into taking Tom Spadani. Well, now that's why I I just recommended to parents of, of high school athletes that they read The Road to Ohio State. Because recruiting wars have gotten even more vigorous and more specialized, and you have the modern ones as well as the old ones. In fact, Doug, I'm, I'm curious. Have you thought about going into the name, image, and likeness business? Because you know what these kids are worth now, and you know what happened to Ohio State this week. You talked about it on Buckeye Talk. Yeah, no, I have not considered it. I'm still cautious of the name, image, and likeness space. It's interesting because it's, it's changing, Hugh. I think it's, it's good opportunities for these players to be able to make money 
off their name, image, and likeness, but I'm still not sure how the whole thing works. There's a lot of there's a, a very small handful of people making a lot of money, and then a decent number of people making small amounts of money, but it is evolving. It's not for me, though. I'll just write stories about it. Well, I, I've enjoyed the podcast, and now we go to the Punter Pro- Podcast, College Football Survivor Podcast uh, with Shahan. It's absolutely must-listening, but Orange and Brown Podcast this week. The Browns don't have a punter, Doug. They don't have a punter. What do we do? Go for it on fourth down, Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be aggressive, force yourself to be aggressive. Your punter's not available. They'll sign, they'll sign a veteran. These punters, they know how to do it. So they'll, they'll sign somebody who's waiting in the wings. But it is, it is continuing this NFL season. You know, COVID is having an effect. That it, It's not even necessarily – uh, about how sick the guys are getting. It's just that they have exposure and they're out and it's hitting the browse a little bit this week. It's crazy. Now, you do 11 podcasts a week, which is kind of a record. And I think I probably listened to seven of 11 of them during the week. You got a new guy this week. Poor Scott. Uh, you know, Scott is your uh, J- uh, Jimmy Smothers, right? You're Tommy Smothers and he's Jimmy Smothers. And Lance wanders into the middle of this thing. How did he do? How did he do after the meteor hit him after the first podcast? I try to explain to people that when they come on a podcast with me, I may not know what I'm talking about, but I'm probably going to yell at them anyway. So yeah. Lance Rise, when he joined us as an actual high school football coach, a football family in Northeast Ohio, just one of those typical football families that lives and breathes the game. His dad was a coach for 45 years. So Lance did a great job, and, and he understands breaking down the game from a coach's perspective. So when Kevin Stefanski, the Browns coach, had a week off this week to say, hey, we have to reevaluate our offense, Lance Reisland has been in that situation of, of trying to figure out what to do next. So it's great having a coach on the show who can bring that perspective. Did a now I, got, I have one suggestion, which is I'm not smart enough to understand Lance half the time. I mean, he's using all sorts of terms that uh, it, it's, it's a different language to me. And I... I was listening to it, and you would stop him and translate. Just tell him to slow down and have fun because he's very good. He knows what he's doing, obviously. So here's the deal, Doug, at the end of the year. 11 podcasts a week. You can't keep this up. I do five shows a week. I know that. What, what changes in the offseason for you? What, what do you slow down? I mean, what goes over the side? We're having that conversation right now, Hugh. <laughs> Are you? I'm not sure because I will tell you, you and, and you understand this business as well as anybody. Sometimes when you're doing something like talking football in March and April and May and June and July, sometimes you can find more of an audience because there's not as many people talking it then. So we aren't going anywhere. We're going to keep it up. I don't know if we'll dial it back or not, but we just have to find we have to find things to talk about. But football is such an interesting game. Even if there's no games right then, I think we can do it. But we're going to keep going. If you open the camera frame up, it will work. If you if you let other subjects in. And stop worrying about digressing. I love the digressions. And I think Scott may be a little bit. I love Scott, by the way. Scott is a character in every sitcom in America. And, and he's the straight man. And, and, and I, just, I just love Scott. And everyone on Orange and Brown. Now let's go to college football survival. We're down to the final four. Uh, are you happy with the brackets? Uh, we know what the... The games that matter, we're, we're kind of... Army-Navy is Army-Navy, and go Navy, beat Army. That's obligatory in the Hewitt household. But what uh, what's ahead? What are you looking forward to on College Football Survivor Podcast? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting, Hugh. We had talked all year about could we see a situation where it's Ohio, 
versus the SEC. And it would have been, except Michigan threw a monkey wrench into that. So it is Cincinnati versus Alabama and Michigan versus Georgia. And I think they are two pretty good matchups. I think for the good of college football, I'm glad Cincinnati got in. They have been this underdog story. They haven't lost a regular season game in two years. They get to take on mighty Alabama. I actually think it can be a game if you don't get the A-plus Alabama game, which we saw against Georgia. But Alabama hasn't played its A-plus game all year. So that's going to be the Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young, against a really good veteran quarterback for Cincinnati and Desmond Ritter. But I think the Georgia-Michigan game has a chance to be a classic to you. I'm looking forward to them both. Physical run offense. Yeah. Now, if you had another podcast, I would add coaches and writers because I would love to hear you talk to these coaches, and I would especially love to hear you talk to Luke Fickle about not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere, is he? He he probably is not going anywhere. He's very happy there. Cincinnati is going to move to the Big Twelve. He made the playoff with where he is. I think he would have been interested in Notre Dame possibly, but the interesting part about that is Notre Dame just hired Marcus Freeman who played for Luke Fickle at Ohio State, and Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman are best friends. And now Marcus Freeman got that Notre Dame job. So I think Luke Fickle is incredibly successful. I think he's very happy. He is not looking to move, and he would only go to a a few select places, and one of them just got taken by his buddy. So I don't think Luke Fickle's going anywhere. Would, Would Luke Fickle and Marcus Freeman talk to each other candidly about recruits? I mean, best friends talk about everything. I mean, would they actually, because they're, if they're that close, will they actually talk about the recruits and divide them up and conquer them sort of thing? You know, I mean, a lot of these guys, I'll say they have the personal relationship. And sometimes you don't talk business. But I do think sometimes when you're recruiting kids, you could be real, realistic sometimes. You, you want the kid, right? You, you found a great recruit. You want him. But if you feel like you're not going to get him, maybe, maybe something's happening – You'd rather your best friend get him than somebody else. So I do think that happens sometimes, and uh, that's, a, that's a formidable pairing for sure. Oh, Tony Napoletto, who's a legendary coach in the Warren Niles area, used to say that if, if Woody wasn't going to get a kid, he'd send him to Parsegian and Joe Paterno. He did not want them to go to Michigan. And I, I think right. I heard that story a dozen times. You probably heard it a hundred times. So as we close out the road to Ohio State, um, you know now a lot about recruiting. What should a high school athlete do if they're good in any sport at any level when they're being recruited? After you wrote the book, The Road to Ohio State, you know recruiting, Doug, and I'm selling the book hard because I think it's good for kids to know what's going to happen to them. What should they know? I think one of the main things, Hugh, and this is sort of from book research, but just also doing this for 17 years, is if you can get an offer and lock it in, take it. And then you can continue your recruitment. And sometimes we have criticisms for kids who change their minds and decommit and flip. But if you get that school, and it's not binding, but it's almost binding because the reputation of the school is at stake, if you have an offer, lock in an offer. And that way, if, if something, if you get injured or something happens, you have that already in hand. And then keep looking. And remember, The schools do this a hundred times a year. You get one life, one career, one opportunity. You have to be loyal to yourself first because in the end, the school is going to be loyal to itself as well. Look out for number one as a high school athlete because if you don't look out for yourself, nobody else is going to look out for you. Okay, corollary question. You can always trust mom and dad, but a lot of kids don't have mom and dad. they got a lot of, of shady folks around them. 
How, how do you know who to trust if you're a high school teenager without a mom and dad who's, who's game to the game? Really difficult. I think your high school coach is the place to lean, especially if it's a high school coach who has gone through it at any other point um, in the process. Sometimes those other outside people, we know, too. I mean, that, that there are things that happen with money being exchanged yep. uh, at times in recruiting. I always think the, the high school people, you're, you know, these, these colleges, they talk to your principal, they talk to your guidance counselor. The people in your school, if your family isn't there, they're the people to turn to next. Good advice. Doug Maurice. the book is The Road to Ohio State. The podcasts are the Orange and Brown podcast, Buckeye Talk, and College Football Survivor podcast. Thank you, Doug. Talk to you next week. I'm driving home for Christmas. Oh, I can't wait to see those faces. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. The job of a campaign strategist is to put his or her candidate in a position to get their message communicated to the electorate that needs to hear it. And Kellyanne Conway is one of the best. Of course, she was President Donald Trump's senior strategist in 2016 and 2020. And her candidate in the Ohio Senate race in 2022 is Bernie Marino. You've heard Bernie on the show before, businessman extraordinaire, uh, very charismatic on the radio. They both joined me, and boy, did they know how to hit the home spot with me, because they're in Warren, Ohio, heart of the Western Reserve and my hometown. Good morning to you both, Kellyanne and Bernie. Kellyanne, it's great to talk to you again. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Good morning, Hugh Hewitt. Merry Christmas to you. Happy, healthy 2022 to all. A quick correction. I worked, uh, I was Donald Trump's uh, campaign manager, obviously, in 2016. I'm working with Bernie Moreno for 2022, but I was not involved in the 2020 campaign. Oh! Great privilege. I, I disagree with a lot of the strategies. I had a great privilege of working in the White House on behalf of this beautiful country and it's unbelievably amazing people for four years, and we'll never forget it. Now, we're in Warren looking for you, Hugh. We wish that you, uh, the hometown boy, were here. We have a great crowd here. Everybody's listening into this live show, and I'll tell you why I'm working with Bernie Moreno. It's very simple. He's a job creator. He comes pre-verified. I know a thing or two about how attractive to the electorate, and particularly the forgotten man, forgotten woman, and forgotten child, it is to have a job creator, somebody for whom the political motivators do not do not really work. Uh, money, fame, power. Folks like Bernie, like Trump, they give that up. Their family sacrificed thusly for them to run for office. But as a job creator, Bernie created, he employed over 1,000 Ohioans and over 100 people in other states. He understands why supply chain should not be interrupted. He understands that we shouldn't be seeing these rising prices at the gas pump and in our grocery carts. And he just uh, laid down an unprecedented, concentrated $4 million ad buy, TV ad campaign. It really is, uh, he, what he's trying to do is go meet every voter, but he knows that, in addition, you have to go on the air and on the ground. I see him out on the ground all the time. Now, here in Warren, this, this beautiful city of, of your hometown, your hometown is filled with winners. But we are sick and tired in the Moreno campaign, sick and tired of Warren losing, losing its population to other cities, losing its people to opioids, and the poly drug crisis, Hugh, losing jobs to outsourcing, losing our wealth and our pride to China and to Mexico. So, you know, Ward is losing because of bipartisan failureship of leadership. And you know, Kellyanne, I, I told Bernie when he got into this that I would ask him what's in it for Warren. And he answered that, uh, Bernie, you did at the first debate that I moderated. And I don't know whether you're at the uh, the hot dog shop or Sunrise Pizza. I don't know if you're at John F. Kennedy High School or Warren 
Western Reserve, Warren Harding, or I don't know where you are, but wherever you are, jobs, jobs, jobs is what matters to Warren. No, absolutely. We're at the uh, Trouble County uh, headquarters where there's a lot of uh, signs for a guy named Brandon. Uh, <laughs> so, so, Bernie, let's go back to that. What's in it for Warren? You know that Lordstown shuttered. You know that Lordstown Motors has its trouble. You tried to help. Uh, you know, Youngstown is being led by Jim Trestle. What's in it for Warren if you win? Well, what we got to do is we have to disentangle our relationship with China, which means we have to bring critical industries back to America. One of those is going to be semiconductor chips. Uh, to build those factories, you need water, you need land, and you need energy. All three of those things we have in spades here in the Valley. And this is what we should be focused on, is building these amazing semiconductor plants here in America. It's not only an employment issue, it's a national security issue. Because as you know, Hugh, we talked about this at the forum that you moderated. It's just a matter of time before China blockades or takes total control over Taiwan. And that's about 90% of the world's semiconductor chips. So that's the existential threat that we face economically. And Warren can benefit dramatically from getting up early. Warren has got everything it needs for a semiconductor, and I'm sure the assembly would do whatever it took to get it there. Let's talk about the backpack bill, because John F. Kennedy High School, my alma mater, could actually use the backpack bill in Columbus. Are you behind that, Bernie? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's obviously a state issue. You know, my role as senator is to get rid of uh, education issues from the federal level, move it to state and local communities. But as a dad of four kids, you know, the reality is parents should be able to choose where they send their kids to school, and especially those in the vulnerable populations who are imprisoned in these horrible schools. Uh, Kellyanne, I spoke to uh, the former president Wednesday. I asked him about this race. And he said he would be endorsing in the Ohio Senate race, which surprised me because, you know, when Rick Grinnell called me up and told me that Bernie Marino, you got to get to know, and then Bernie hired you, I thought, well, that that's going to be something. And then, of course, Josh Mandel is friendly with the president. J.D. Vance is friendly with the president. Everybody's friendly with the president. What do you think is going to happen there in that category? Well, listen, I was by Donald Trump's side for years, and I know who was and wasn't helpful. So let me say that as politely as I can. And uh, we had many people across this country just helping us at the White House because we were running at Trump speed, Hugh, you know, the volume and velocity of just trying to get things done starting from the beginning. What did I promise I'd do? That's what I'm going to do. And he delivered. You know, he delivered. We all know the great accomplishments of the Trump presidency. I think the president will uh, – he is entering these races or holding back uh, depending on how he feels about different candidates and the rhythms of the race. But he is watching everybody's ads. He is meeting with candidates regularly. I'm in very frequent contact with him, visit him frequently, talk to him regularly, talk to him this week, actually. And uh, that would be that would have a huge impact, obviously, here in Ohio. And I think what's important, Donald Trump is conveying to candidates also, I try to tell them, but it's very important when he makes clear to candidates, you have to go connect with the voters. Whether you get my endorsement or not, this is on your shoulders to do what I, Donald Trump, did. Raise the money. Connect with the people. Tell them what your vision is for them. You know, elections have to be about the people. And, people and, and folks who put people over power are successful. But I think it's very telling that he knows a number of these candidates very, very well. Very well. And has yeah. not endorsed them, Hugh. I think some of these people, well, I know as a fact they were banking on his endorsement, telling their donors and their friends and their supporters we're getting his endorsement, which is you know, the intersection of arrogance and ignorance. You've got, to, you've got to earn it from President Trump, but you really have to earn it from the people. That's the most important endorsement. Now, Hugh, you are a favorite son of Warren, Ohio. And I know <laughs> you went to 
go with Tim Ryan, but let me tell you something. Can Tim Ryan, the, uh, the talk about recidivist political candidates, can Tim Ryan, <laughs> congressman in two seats, ran for Speaker of the House, then thought he would export a pretty unremarkable... Wait, Kellyanne, wait, uh, wait. I, you know my rules. My friends, you will never hear a negative word about Kellyanne Conway on this show because you're my friend. I keep my friends free of, of barbs. So let's focus on Bernie. He wants to be the senator, though. But he wants to be a United States senator. I'm not barbing him. I'm, I'm making something clear about his record. Do you think or has he ever spoken about your shared hometown of Warren, Ohio, the way Bernie Moreno just did? Is he able to articulate a vision about semiconductors, about bringing more jobs to, to his hometown, the way you just heard? And if he has, I want to hear it. I'd love to see the two of them on a yeah. debate. Stage. I was talking with Brett Baer this week. Uh, and Ted Cruz, by the way, came up with the Cruz Doctrine, which is only people who intend to vote in Republican primary should moderate Republican debates. But I've been talking with Brett Baer about debates. I would love to get Bernie and, and, and the rest of the gang back together again to debate. And then if Bernie is the nominee to moderate that debate, because it would be interesting... Bernie, Kellyanne brought up something that's very important. My brother lives in Warren, uh, and my nephews live close. Uh, my three beloved nephews, my, my niece has left. But I have family right there. And you mentioned, Kellyanne mentioned the opioid. And I'm one of those people like Rob Portman who stands up and says, opioids have ravaged Ohio. They have ravaged Warren. It's lethal. It's deadly. That is a senatorial issue. Rob Portman has done a lot about it. What would you do about it? Well, we have to we have to take control of our border. That's where these drugs are coming in from. I, I, you remember on your on your on your debate, I talked about sealing the yes. border of the U.S. military. We have to declare the Mexican drug cartels, foreign terrorist organizations, which will allow us to wipe them off the face of the earth. We can't allow our largest trading partner in a country that has 1,500 plus miles of border with us to turn into a narco state. I know what that was like in Colombia and the devastating impacts of that. So it starts with sealing our border. It also then goes to providing people hope and opportunity, which comes from a good-paying job, restructuring a family that a family unit and rebuilding families and doing those things. You know, the reality is a guy like Tim Ryan was hired by the people 20 years ago to help their community, and in 20 years he's done nothing. I don't understand that in politics because in the business world, you're not given 20 years to fail. You're not even given 20 months to fail. And that's how I look at this thing. This is Boy, is this interesting. And I'll tell you why this is interesting. You two have pivoted to the general. You're talking like you've got this in the bag. And so, Kellyanne, I think President Trump's endorsement will be dispositive in this race. I really do. Do you know something we don't know about the president's endorsement? I don't. I would never. I, I said it from the beginning, and he really appreciated this comment, and everybody should say it, which is that his endorsement, President Trump's endorsement, is his and his alone to give or to withhold, and I would never dangle it or promise it to any candidate. I know others do that, and they shouldn't do that. But I really appreciate the fact that the president, uh, he is receiving these candidates. He's paying attention to these races. He wants to make sure the America First agenda is protected and advanced. And, Hugh, as somebody who speaks with him regularly, I know you, do, you talked to him just this week, he's like every other American right now, or most of them. He is very concerned about the direction of this nation. You know, less time than it takes to have a baby, Biden, Harris, and the Democrats have really unraveled so many of the great accomplishments. Some of it just seems out of spite, not even ideological differences. I pray for this country every day. I want them to succeed. I love America and her people. And, and we want the country to succeed. And let me just say something about bipartisanship. The greatest bipartisan accomplishment of the Trump-Pence administration, in my view, was the drug bill that he signed into law October of 2018. Uh, just un, 
unprecedented investment, $6 billion investment in treatment, recovery, interdiction law. It was big. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. Every, i got to ask you one last question, Kellyanne, before we run out of question. As a strategist, uh, I've told people that Bernie has sparkle. Sorry, Bernie, if you don't like that word. But he's, he's an illegal immigrant. And I, I don't know if that's an advantage or a disadvantage from a strategist's point of view. Just tell me what you think, because I think it's an advantage, but I don't know. It's a huge advantage. I'll let Bernie speak. But, you know, next... Next Friday is the 50th anniversary of the Moreno family coming to America from Colombia. Bernie Moreno's mother, at a very young age, packed up her seven children, of which Bernie is the youngest, and came to the country that is the most generous to legal immigrants. 34 million people, including the Moreno family, have immigrated here legally. I think it's a huge bonus because if he were a Democrat, Bernie would say, I'm a legal immigrant and just talk about that. I'll leave it at that. But Bernie is explaining how how legal immigration has made this country so great and why illegal immigration, just border chaos. Talk about chaos at the border. We have people and drugs coming in, and, and, and they're doing nothing about it. I think it's a huge advantage. It's a huge advantage to show how we all have the same right to achieve the American dream. His has come through a number of different ways. He's been married to the same, his college sweetheart for 32 years, built a huge business, and employed Ohio. Oh, I, I know, but i got to give the last minute to Bernie. Bernie, you have hired... Yeah, you know, maybe America's preeminent strategist. Uh, and so she's got you in Warren. Congratulations on that. What's the closing message for this interview? Well, I think you laid it out pretty well uh, in your uh, op-ed after the uh, forum, which is there's three types of candidates. There's the insiders, the celebrities, and the outsiders. I think that this race boils down to that. I think people are sick of insiders. Uh, they're tired of the stunts from the celebrities. They want somebody who's an outsider who's actually going to D.C. to serve the public, not themselves. What an interesting interview, you two. Uh, Kellyanne Conway, Bernie Marino. Keep going back to Warren. Don't do a one and done. Go there. Go over to John F. Kennedy High School today, Bernie, and see what it means to be a parochial school in the heart of Warren, Ohio. Thank you, my friends. Uh, Boy, that Kellyanne Conway is so smart. Taking Bernie Marino to Warren, Ohio. I'm not going to turn down that interview. Of course I'm going to put him on from Warren, Ohio. That concludes today's episode of The Interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. Andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888 You'll be glad you did, and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview.